Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Story Blender. I'm Stephen James, and this is where great storytellers share the secrets to great storytelling. Now, in this business, sometimes you'll meet people who have, uh, I'll say, a big heart. And at other times, you'll meet people who have a lot of great knowledge about story and storytelling. But you don't always meet someone who has uh, an expertise in both, both a big heart in sharing stories uh, and, and, and encouraging other people to tell stories, and also just the knowledge about what really makes a story work. And so I'm really excited that my guest today is an expert in both areas, in uh, both the knowledge of story and storytelling, and also just a heart and passion for sharing that with other people. So my guest today is Brian Bird. He's the co-creator and has served as showrunner and executive producer for nine seasons of the top-rated scripted cable show, When Calls the Heart. His 30-plus years as a writer and producer in Hollywood include more than two dozen feature films and documentaries, as well as the Paramount feature film Captive and 350 episodes of network television that include Touched by an Angel, Step by Step, and, and Evening Shade. And so, Brian, thanks so much for taking the time to be with me here today. Happy to be with you, Steve. Always love talking to you. And let me say something, 350 episodes of network television, that is, that is impressive. And so you must be what, eight, you know, 94 years old or something or what? What's the story with that? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I, I guess uh, I've been fortunate to have landed on a few projects where I've worked for multiple, multiple seasons on them. And you can pile up this, the episode count that way, um, both uh, step by step. And Touched by an Angel, I was on for, I believe, five or six seasons each. Oh, wow. Of those shows. And back in the day, we used to shoot 24 episodes a year. That was sort of the, the network standard when you're on a big network. Nowadays, you know, shows are going to more sort of short order, mm -hmm. you know, eight to eight to 12 episodes. So uh, the, the the growth in that in that episode total career total has slowed down in the last uh, <laughs> couple of decades because uh, most of the time our shows are going, you know, eight to 12 episodes. And that's honestly what Touched by an Angel, I'm, I'm sorry, When Calls the Heart, which is my mm -hmm. current show now for the last nine seasons, you know, we shoot 12 episodes a year. So it, it's taken us almost a decade to get a hundred out of that. Uh, and I did that in half the time when I was on the bigger network shows. But that's sort of the that's sort of the supply and demand model now of streamers and cable. Even some of the networks are going to short orders now, where they're shooting, you know, half a season what they would have normally shot in the past of 24 episodes, they're shooting 13. And they're driving demand for the audience by by shortening the supply, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you would think that would be counterintuitive if you're trying to market a show and to, to put as much product out in the marketplace as you can. But by controlling the supply, 
you and and if you get something that works, mm. you create this in, incredible hunger for more. And um, that's what we found with One Calls the Heart. It's 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 been a a bona fide hit on cable television uh, that we never anticipated. You know, when we started nine years ago, we were just trying to make a good show, and you know we. We hoped the audience would find it and hope they would fall in love with it. And in fact, they did. After a couple of seasons, we began to, you know, see this sort of fan base rise up around it. A, a pretty substantial uh, Trekkie-like fan base that called themselves <laughs> the Hardies. And it's one calls the heart. And so they've named themselves Hardies. And in the age of hashtags, uh, the Hardies trend nationally now. Hmm. It's in it's it's what you it's what you dream about as an author, as a as a as a writer of of, you know, of, of any kind of media. Uh, you dream about having a loyal following, a fan base, a readership, a mm-hmm. viewership fan base. Um, and if it's grassroots, even better because they invented themselves. Right. They yeah. you hire a marketing company to create a fan base. You you had this organic fan base rise up around your work. And that's the best kind. That's the best kind because they're intensely loyal, intensely passionate. I know for the, the readers of, of your you know, book series, Bowers and, and the other series you've done, you know, you have this loyal following that mm. can't wait for the next book. So you've you've done that as well. <laughs> in your career, you've created these loyal fan bases that can't wait for the next opening up of the spigot of supply. And that's what we've done now for nine seasons on One Calls a Heart. So it's been a it's been an amazing thing. But yes, it tends to pile up the the career total. When you, <laughs> you can start talking about hundreds of uh, episodes. I think it's fantastic. And I still, I don't even know if you remember this, but many years ago, I think I heard you speak at a conference. Uh, I don't even know if we'd met, maybe we, this is when we met, but, um, but anyways, at this event, you were talking about writing and you said in Hollywood, there's a name for writer's block. It's called a pink slip. And (laughs) I, I still remember that. And I was like, that's good because so many people, you know, are like, oh, I have writer's block or something. And you're like, look, if you're making a living of this and you're writing, you don't have the option. You come up with the story. Yeah, you know, it, it's very true. And, you know, writer's block is something that all writers face from time to time in their careers. Uh, you know, I certainly did in in my in my budding career when I was, you know, getting started. And then uh, back in the early 2000s, Hmm. I think it was 2002, maybe uh, I was, I was writing at the time as a writer producer on touch by an angel. And um, I was, I I was sitting in front of my computer screen the night before the script was due. Oh no. And I had written myself into a, a, figure figurative you know uh you know a corner you know corner of the amazon river and i couldn't find my way back (laughs) to the main channel you know and um so i I was getting desperate you know and for the very reason uh, as what you quoted there that you know writer's block is a pink slip is the same as a pink slip there's no such thing as being late when you're Mm -hmm. working on a 
on a TV show. Hmm. Maybe you can get some grace around, you know, publishing deadlines, you know, but, or, or even maybe a, a feature length movie, you might be able to get some grace on some deadlines, hmm. pushing some deadlines, but in television, you know, you got to feed the beast with a new script every seven days, hmm. right? When you're doing series TV. So if you're on a writing staff, there's not like another script hanging around waiting to bail you out hmm. if you flub or if you if you get stuck on something. So I was feeling a bit desperate because I knew my colleagues would be waiting for the script the next day. Hmm. And you also have a, a film crew, you know, with a burn rate of about a hundred thousand dollars a day. And they don't mind taking a day off, but they're still gonna get paid. Wow, right. Yeah. So that's why there's a pink slip waiting for you if you're if you're if you're late. So here's my desperation. I'm sitting in front of the screen. I've written myself into this jam, this corner. I couldn't figure it out how to get out of that corner. And I just, as a person of faith, I I I said, God, please help me. What do I do? <laughs> right. And I didn't hear, you know, I didn't hear uh verbal words from heaven. <laughs> words didn't start typing themselves on my screen, on my, on my computer screen. Um, but I did get a deep soul impression. Hmm. And the, and the impression on my soul was this, I was a writer. Now you be one. Hmm. And it is like, I got chill bumps, right? It's hmm. like, Whoa, what is, what does that mean? Right. And then having grown up in the church and being, you know, acquainted with the scriptures and all of that, I had these verses sort of flood me, you know, my memory in that moment. Uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was not written on tablets of stone, but on hearts of flesh. It was a living, organic thing, this narrative, this story, this word. Uh Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, hmm. God, the author of the universe. And it struck me that, you know, how did God leave his revelation to the world? You know, in, in the world of Christendom and Christianity, hmm. he left his revelation to us in a big fat novel <laughs> called the Bible and a giant narrative. And his story, history, is this massive narrative running through the cosmos, through space and time, right? And we are all characters in the novel, in this, this massive sweep through history that he's writing. So this idea of God being an author and, and, and speaking with words, everything into existence, hmm. And if, and if each of us is made in the image of the author of the universe, hmm. we all have a tiny strand of that DNA, hmm. right? Now, that doesn't mean we're all authors. It might mean we right. have a strand that takes us in a different direction, architects or painting or sculpting or gardening or, you know, engineering or whatever it is. Hmm. Um, but if we have that strand that we've been given, then especially for authors and writers, we're legacy people, man. We're, we're, <laughs> we've been given legacy DNA, right? Creative DNA. And at that point, 
that night sitting in front of my screen, I said, okay, you dictate, I'll type. <laughs> and from that point on the last 20 years, I have never suffered from writer's block again, because what I do, and I have a, I have, you can see it, your audio listeners can't see it, but it <laughs> sits on my screen all the time, right? It's on my God's typist on the, on the little typist. note. Nope, there, yeah. And um, I, I just type what comes and I don't, I don't, I don't center myself. I don't listen to the imposter tapes that play anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, imposter syndrome tapes that play. How did you trick people into letting you do this? How did you mm-hmm. fake your way into this business? I just type what comes and I ask for God to breathe it in to yeah. me. And I will, I will type what comes. And that doesn't mean you can't go back and refine the work. Of yeah. course you can. But, and it doesn't mean it's gold that comes off your fingertips all the time. But if it's, it, but if it's mostly God-breathed, right, and you're drawn on that muse, that inspiration, that's not you getting in the way of yourself, hmm. it's going to be pretty good. And it's, it, that's what I've experienced. And uh, it won't be a house of cards, you know, that page behind you that you've just finished won't, you know, be a house of cards that falls in on itself because you have imbued it with that muse. And so that, that's, that's the genesis of that story you heard me say all those years ago at that yeah. conference. And um, I stand by it. Mm-hmm. And when that post-it that says, be God's typist falls off my monitor, I make a new one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a powerful, I think it's a powerful image and thought that, that people are made in the create in the image of, you know, God of a creative God that we have creative DNA within us. And uh, there's an old Jewish saying that says God created man because he loves stories. And um, so, you know, we are all storytelling people. We're storytelling creatures. And, you know, the Bible is a great, big, you know, narrative, like you said. And, and so as we think about sharing, you know, stories from our lives, maybe people who are listening are writers, maybe they're screenwriters or novelists, or maybe they just want to tell stories to their kids, you know, um, powerful stories. Um, I was thinking that um, someone told me one time, that all stories are about reinvention or redemption. And I was wondering what your thoughts are about that um, reinvention or redemption, and maybe how that might play out in the stories that we tell or that you write. I, I love that, Stephen. I, and I agree wholeheartedly with that statement. You know, the, you're, you're absolutely on the money when it comes to your, your quote, that Hebrew quote or that Jewish quote about, you know, God invented us because he loves stories. We are, story is food. I, mm. I actually believe this. And we as storytellers uh-huh. are doing essential service for the world. We are creating food, soul food for people. I really believe this 100%. You know, why... Why do, what, what's the first thing our kids ask us when we're trying to put them to bed at night? Right? <laughs> Tell me a story. Now, right. maybe they're trying to stall because they don't want to go to sleep. 
but I don't think so. I think they truly hunger for story. I think yeah. we all hunger for story. It's why we're all carrying around now TVs in our pockets, mm -hmm. right? And our, in our smartphones. Uh, we are consuming story more than ever before. Mm -hmm. You know, 24 7, 365, when we have TVs in our pockets now, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and on our wrists, even. So, we we hunger for as human beings we hunger for story it's an essential nourishment for us that we that we need no matter where you go that's why you find you know the the hero's journey in that goes back four or five thousand years mm. in human history it's the same journey mm. it's the same journey and that idea of redemption that you talk about reinvention yeah. there's also one of the stages of the hero's journey, which is a, which is a, a journey that has been mapped out by, by uh, Joseph Campbell originally, mm -hmm. who did uh, wrote the, the masterwork about the human mythos mm -hmm. uh, and the monomyth, uh, the hero with a thousand faces. One of the, the 12 stages of the hero's journey that he found that is common in all storytelling throughout history is the resurrection. Hmm. That is actually a stage of the hero's journey. Hmm. Mankind is starved to death for resurrection. Hmm. That's, you know, when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, right? Well, guess what? It wasn't the first time that was recorded in history as a story or as truth in the, in the, in the case of the Christian faith. We believe that's true, but it's also part of the Jesus story. It's the Epic of Gilgamesh, hmm. 2,000 years before Jesus. Gilgamesh dies and is resurrected, huh. right? That's, I believe, why C.S. Lewis and, and Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien, landed on this idea that Christ became the, it was the myth that became true, hmm. the true myth, yeah. right? Hmm. They, they flag Jesus as the myth that became true, because that myth, that story, that story point in the, in the hero's journey was common to other cultures, prior to Jesus, hmm. right? So this hunger for resurrection uh, is in all storytelling, no matter where you go, even in Japan where they, or in, in Asia, where, where they use a two-act uh, structure in their storytelling, right? This idea of a rise and a fall and a rise, right? Rise, fall, rise. Rise is the resurrection point, hmm. right? For all of man, all of mankind. So I believe that our that the human soul, no matter where we travel, is is wired with strings, mm -hmm. violin strings that run within us, and those strings are tuned to specific theme, thematic elements in storytelling. So, notions like courage, and community, and uh, uh, sacrifice, mm -hmm. and uh, forgiveness and redemption, and resurrection, and reinvention, those are all strings, themes that are, that these wire, these, these strings are, are, are tuned to, hmm. and when you, and when you as a storyteller pluck those strings, hmm. no matter where you go, it reverberates in the, in the consumer of your story, in the reader, in the viewer of your story, that's why those themes are common, and that's why they were flagged by Joseph Campbell going back hmm. 5,000 years. We keep repeating these stories all the time, <laughs> right? It's the same 
rise, fall, rise. It's the same hero's journey that we, and it doesn't mean that uh, it's a formula that every story has to, you know, has to be uh, driven by, but they're, they're bump, they're guardrails, hmm. essentially. They're, they're guardrails on our lives and on our stories that help us to stay within the, within the framework of what the viewer, the reader is starved to death for. So story is food. Hmm. And I, I couldn't believe this, you know, you know, any more uh, fervently than I do my own faith in God, Hmm. that we are providing food to people to nourish their souls, to enrich their lives, right? And we can choose to give them good food Hmm. that nourishes their soul, or plucks their hearts, their heartstrings, and challenges them, or we can feed them razor blades and broken glass. Hmm. And that's what a lot of people do. Hmm. You know, there, there's lots of razor blades and broken glass being put to handed to people on big, you know, serving bladders hmm. these days. And it tears you up inside hmm. when you eat that stuff. That doesn't mean that we can't all be challenged by, uh, the the, the 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 troubles and the worries mm-hmm. of life and that we can't figure our way out of deep dark corners but if we don't point people to something to some you know uplifting opportunity in their lives mm-hmm. in their storytelling then i think we're leaving them with empty calories <laughs> honestly or with you know toxic a, a toxic brew that that poisons their soul well, that's powerful and and insightful. I like that. I mean, it's a really p- powerful image to think about certain people glass and razor blades. It's like what? But stories are powerful, and I like what you you're saying is like we have the power through stories to inspire people, to uh, to um, you know encourage them to live lives of courage, yes, and sacrifice and love and and hope and all of these things. Or stories can be a powerful way of manipulating people into a, a negative, uh, you know, space and, and direction. Yeah, if you if you look at the end of the movie Braveheart, for instance. Well, yeah, right. That was a bloody, you know, really hard movie to watch because mm-hmm. it was all about sort of people having to fight their worst instincts and to to stand up for what's right in the world, right? And William Wallace, as he's being disemboweled hmm. by the enemies, he, he utters one word that says, you can break my body, but you will never break my heart. You'll hmm. never break my, my soul, who I am as a human being. He screams freedom as they're yanking out his innards from him. That's how the movie ends. Yeah. But that ending... Is so powerful because it says to us, we have to be courageous in the face of evil, right? In the face of, of deep, dark evil. And there is much of that in our, in our world. I'm, mm. I don't pretend to look at the world through, you know, a, a Pollyanna aspect. I understand yeah. that there's the human, humans are capable of deep evil, but yeah. they're also ke- capable of amazing courage mm-hmm. and amazing uh 
you know, uplift and they can be about something bigger than themselves, even, even at the cost of themselves, hmm. right? That's what the Jesus story is too, right? Hmm. Jesus dies this agonizing death, and yet he's reborn three days later. This, there's a resurrection that takes place that leads to the hope of, of the universe for everyone, right? That, that is a powerful mechanism, storytelling mechanism. And, you know, if, if William Wallace ends up dying without saying a word, yeah, that is a different story. Huh. Wow. That is a that is a razor blade story, hmm. right? It goes down badly and it leaves you bleak. It leaves you hopeless. Hmm. I like how your stories that you tell that you that you've written over the years do try to inspire hope in people and and uh, the and they do try to actually raise you know people up to become even better than themselves. It's like um, and uh, you know and and your stories. Some you're known for you know family friendly stories and love stories and so on, but but you've written some gritty stories over the years as well. And you know when you were talking about not turning an eye to evil, I, I was thinking of you wrote a story called Captive, mm -hmm. and um, and it was a story of, that deals both with good and evil. Tell us just a little bit about that, and then I I definitely want to hear about your your upcoming work that's uh, that's airing here in just a couple of weeks here. Yes, yeah, I would love to. So Captive is the true story of Ashley Smith and Brian Nichols in Atlanta, Georgia. And it took place in 2005, a true story that many people will remember because it, it, was, it, was, it was known for that decade as one of the top news stories of mm. the decade. Mm. Uh, Brian Nichols is being uh, 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 arraigned for a, a rape case in a courthouse in Georgia. When he escapes custody, he gets a gun from the bailiff, mm -hmm. he escapes custody, he goes into the, into the courtroom through the back door, through the judge's chamber, he shoots a judge, he shoots mm -hmm. a court reporter, he, he, he ends up killing four people. Mm -hmm and getting even more guns. He got a total of three guns as he's making his escape from that courthouse. And the fact that he was able to, to enter a courthouse with a weapon, you know, but, and, and get free from custody, you know, from what should be, you know, the most secure situation ever, created a massive news story because now he's on the loose in a big city Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and and he had a radio, a police radio, so he could stay ahead of the cops. Right. Mm -hmm. Because he was they were they were trying to find him. He kept carjacking cars. And so he was he was it was a domino effect and he was able to escape custody and and get on the loose. And he's now a, in, you know, hiding somewhere in the Atlanta metropolis. And the person that he took hostage in her apartment, Ashley Smith, is a young woman who's a who is a crystal meth addict, hmm. who is trying desperately to get clean and sober in her life, so that she can get custody of her daughter again. She had lost custody of her daughter. Her mother is watching her daughter. 
she because the the courts took her daughter away from her because of her drug addiction. Mm-hmm. So she's going to celebrate recovery. She's trying to overcome this drug, but she's not ultimately successful at this point because she's working two jobs to try to be responsible. She's going to school to try to be mm-hmm. responsible. She's staying up all night, you know, studying for school, using crystal meth as a stimulant. Mm-hmm. So her her life's a mess. That's who Brian Nichols takes hostage. A person who's as much of a mess as him, Mm. right? And in that seven hours of captivity, of being a captive of a killer now who's on the loose running from from justice with guns, she is able to speak him down, to talk him down, to talk him out of, of, you know, committing more crimes and giving himself up. But the way that happened is that he said, I know you're a party girl. I can tell you're a party girl. What do you got here? Hmm. And she, she said, I don't, have, I don't have weed. I have crystal meth. He says, give, give me that. Hmm. And he took the crystal meth. And then he starts soaring, right? A killer on crystal meth. That's a pretty toxic brew. And he says, how come you didn't take it? You take it. You poisoned me. What did you do to me? Hmm. And she, tell, she says, no, I'm not taking it. I'm never taking that again. Hmm. And he put the gun to her head and he said, you take it. And she says, you can kill me, but I'm not taking I'm not going to, I'm not going to die. I'm a crystal meth addict. Hmm. Wow. And at that moment, she said, God put a barrier between her and that gun and the guy and Brian Nichols backed off hmm. and then he crashed because that's what crystal meth does to you. You go high and then you really crash and you go low and she made him some breakfast hmm. and she read to him from a book that she had been given in Celebrate Recovery called The Purpose Driven Life. Hmm. And she said, this is not the end for you, Brian. Your story does not end here. Give yourself up. Hmm. And he walked out with his hands in the air, waving a white, his white T-shirt. Wow. And, and since that night of captivity, Ashley Smith has been clean and sober from her crystal meth addiction. Hmm. Wow. It took a killer to save her life. Wow. That's the that's the premise behind that movie. A true story. Many people remember that story. We were fo- so fortunate to have David Yellowo play Brian Nichols and Kate Mara play Ashley Smith in the movie, and uh, was so proud of how that all came out. But a very gritty story. That's yeah. why I'm yeah. saying we don't have to tell Pollyanna stories. We can tell gritty stories, but if there but if there's not some potential for healing for redemption for forgiveness at the end of these stories really what's the point Hmm. of telling a story like that just to to be ambulance chasers to show how horrible human beings can how low can they go and leave them in that depravity Hmm. i i just i'm not going to tell stories like that i'm just in my life i'm called to do something bigger than that better than that and so um anyway that that's that's captive (laughs) yeah no that's um 
Yeah, that's powerful. If people haven't uh, watched it yet, it's available. You can certainly um, rent it, download it, purchase it, watch it. It's a powerful movie, and it's a you know it's gritty, and it also has moments of redemption and hope. And and um, you know, Brian, you and I were uh, speaking the other day about this, the number of Christmas movies that have come out <laughs> across all the different streaming services this holiday season. Did you tell me there were 137? original yes. Christmas movies? Yes, in 2021. It's Christmas 2021. And across all the different networks, streaming services, platforms, even Discovery Plus as a Christmas movie. Last year, even this, the streaming service Fox Nation had a Christmas movie, right? <laughs> Everybody loves Christmas movies to the point of it's like a big bowl of Skittles and you just bury your face in this big <laughs> bowl of Skittles and just start eating. Um, you know, it, it's, it's uh, sometimes it's so sweet. You just get diabetes looking at it, you know, it's like, <laughs> but um, here, here's the thing. I think this is uh, just a, a, a supply and demand issue all over again, like mm. what we talked about earlier, but we're coming out of a, a worldwide pandemic and people are starved to death for escape. They want to mm -hmm. out of the gulag. They want to get out of their captivity themselves and they want a sense of uplift. They want a sense of happy endings. They want a sense of hope. Uh, it, it's the reason Ted Lasso on Apple is such <laughs> a big hit is now that's an R rated show because it's got a lot of language in it, a lot yeah. of language bombs in it, but Every character in that TV series, you care about. Hmm. They, they, they ultimately make the right decision, even if they have their worst instincts first. They end up turning around and making the right decision. They do the right thing. And they all find a way to care about each other as irascible as they can be. They all end up caring about each other. And that's it's it's spoken volumes that the audience is going we love this right yeah yeah it's it's even been quoted as saying you know people have used this term about it radical kindness huh. radically kind how radically kind the show is and i keep you know saying it's not revolutionary this is what i've been doing my whole career right? <laughs> <laughs> what do you call touched by an angel for 10 years we were like watched by 20 million people in the United States uh, in, in, in 85 countries around the world. Wow. That's by an angel was went around the world. It was radically kind. Ultimately people did the right thing. They were, they had God in, you know, visiting them through angels, telling them how, helping them how to make the right decision. And that's what that show was about. And honestly, it's what, our show, When Calls the Heart, that's a nine-season hit on the Hallmark Channel and yeah. actually was a top 10 cable show in all, of all of last year. It was in the top 10, and we beat the zombies for the first time ever in the ratings. <laughs> with a <laughs> little family-friendly show about community that cares about each other. Um, and so this is, I'm just, I just know this to be true. It's what I said before. People are starved to death for kindness, for hope, for uplift. And when you feed, you know, as a, as an industry, everywhere you turn, 
if it's mostly razor blades and broken glass that people are being fed through killers and zombies and vampires and, and, and crystal meth dealers and mafiosos and serial killers and all of that, dead body shows, if that's all they get, a steady mm-hmm. diet of that, then they're, you're, they're starved to death for something bigger than that, mm-hmm. something more and more uplifting. It's the reason why When Calls the Heart has been a hit, not because we're geniuses. We just are, we lucked into this timing <laughs> on this, truly. I really believe that. The reason there are 2 million people who call themselves Hardies around the world now is not because we're geniuses. It's because they were starved to death and we gave them food. Wow. <laughs> when you bring soul food to people who are starving for it, they will love you back. Hmm. That's, as, that's as complicated as the math is. It's no more complicated than that. Give food to starving people. They will love you for it. Hmm. Right? So that's what we've done with When Calls the Heart. And now at Christmas in 2021, everybody wants a Christmas movie. <laughs> the Hallmark Channel is, is delivering 40 of those 137. Wow. They're original, brand new content, Christmas movies. And, uh, you know, Netflix has them. Peacock has them now. HBO has them. I mean, this is this this Christmas mania is going everywhere and they're mostly happy stories. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is again, this is this is the marketplace speaking back. Mm -hmm. Right. This is not because everybody in our industry is geniuses. The the, the marketplace is saying we we want this. Give this to us. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what's happening now. So. When Calls the Heart, because of the success that it had, it we were able to do a spinoff show called When Hope Calls. Mm. And When Hope Calls had uh, its first season on the Hallmark Channel or and on, on Hallmark's own streaming service, Hallmark Movies Now, and uh, did its first season there. And then they, they did not pick it up for a second season. So because of the success of this storytelling enterprise through When Calls the Heart, a new network has emerged called GAC Family, Great American Channels, GAC Family Channel. And they have picked up season two of When Hope Calls. So we have When Calls the Heart on the Hallmark Channel, and now When Hope Calls on a separate network called GAC Family. And they started season two by saying we want two Christmas episodes, a two-part Christmas special, two episodes covering the, the story. And so on December 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, it's the When Hope Calls Christmas two-part episodes are airing on the new JC Family Network. And uh, it's been a fantastic, exciting uh, phenomenon to see one calls the heart spin off another show that mm-hmm. is part of the same same storytelling universe. It's essentially the same time period as the first show, but it's just another town. <laughs> it has a different premise, you know, for it, and uh, it's set around the world of an orphanage and two sisters who start an orphanage in this town of Brookfield, and uh, it's it, and the orphanage is sort of the central hub of the show uh but it's a small town and and it's very much like hope valley which is the Mm -hmm. town in one calls the heart 
in, in that everybody, you know, it takes a it takes a village to raise a kid, essentially. And that's that's sort of the it takes a village to, to raise good citizens. And uh, that's what Brookfield is all about. So we're excited uh, to launch When Hope Calls season two on the new network in a couple of weeks now. And by the time this airs, it'll probably be a couple of days, I would imagine, <laughs> uh, that it'll be airing. Uh, but the the other piece of news, which I am extremely excited about, is that it, you, you, of course, remember the story, and m- many of your listeners probably remember the story of, of Lori Lachlan of in the, mm-hmm. the college uh, scandal that took yeah. place a few years ago. And uh, Lori was the star of One Calls the Heart. And at the time, that story became such a uh, such a painful situation mm. that the Hallmark Channel asked us to remove her from our show, mm. from When Calls the Heart. And so she had been a beloved character, Abigail Stanton, on on Hallmark Channel. And so we uh, we did we we complied with that, uh, and the show has continued now for for three more seasons without Lori as part of it. Lori, you know, went through the the process of her, you know, she had to face justice for that scandal. Yeah. She went to prison for for three months. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her husband went to prison for even longer. She had to pay a big fine. She had to essentially, you know, do restitution for for that crime that that, you know, she was found guilty of and, and that she pled guilty to as well. She did a very emotional mea culpa on the day of her sentencing uh, that not too many people saw because the, the the sentencing became the news story at the time. But she did a very emotional mea culpa that I saw and that my, my partner saw. And uh, because these shows and and One Calls the Heart and One Hope Calls and, and really what I'm, we've been talking about today on your podcast is this idea of redemption, right? Some of us said to each other, Lori deserves a second chance. Hmm. She, 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 you know, I really fully believe that, that justice and mercy are flip sides of a coin called justice, Hmm. right? Mercy and, and, and justice are flip sides of a, a coin I believe called grace is what I should have said. Yeah, yeah. Grace. The coin is grace, right? And I believe that we need to deploy grace liberally, generously in our culture. It's what the world needs way more of right now. Nobody gives it anymore. <laughs> you know, I I want to give critical, I want to preach pr- critical grace theory in the world. <laughs> we need to give grace liberally. To everybody, everybody deserves grace and needs to all. It's critical they all get it. So we said, let's give Lori an opportunity here to come back into our storytelling. And Lori Lachlan as Abigail Stanton, same character that left Hope Valley after the scandal, now visits Brookfield in in When Hope Calls in the two-part episode. And I have to tell you, it was a very powerful 
experience for us all to be there with her when she made her return to television. Very emotional and very redemptive, personally and professionally wow. for all of us. Um, and she she was um, incredibly generous with her time and 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 with her own story, her own personal story with all of us. And so we're we're thrilled. And it's become a big news story that she's coming back to television yeah. uh, on When Hope Calls now. And uh, we're, we're thrilled that we've been able to give her that opportunity to do that. Well, I uh, again, our time is, is up. And, and, um, but I always love talking with you, shop and stories and storytelling. And, and just a couple of things, you know, really struck me today is that you don't just try to produce shows that make people syrupy, feel good at the end. You really want people to extend grace. You really want people to find hope, to find, you know, ways to rise above and uh, become their better selves. And, and that's what your shows do. And, and, um, and that's what, um, you know, you've dedicated really decades of your life to doing is, is not just syrupy, nice, feel good, but actually saying, you know what, this is a world that's hurting and, and we can provide hope and healing in this world. And so that's a powerful thing to do. And, and, and so I just want to thank you for, you know, your shows, all of your passion, your hard work, and, and just the, the grace that you do extend to others in, in, uh, well, I, it's what I'm Steve, I appreciate you saying that. And it's what I, it's what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm put on the earth to do. I, I know that, right. I, I really believe that sense of call to that kind of storytelling. And I'll just, give you one last example here. When we did Touched by an Angel, uh, we would routinely hear, because the show aired on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. on CBS, 20 million people watching every Sunday, um, was a top 10 hit for many seasons. Hmm. We would routinely hear from suicide prevention hotlines. Hmm. Now, prevention hotlines are a good thing, right? You call a number and you say, I'm thinking of doing harm to myself. Help. Yeah. Give me help. I need help. Um, we would routinely hear from suicide prevention hotlines on Monday morning hmm. that their call volume went up hmm. on Sunday night hmm. after our show aired. Hmm. And when you have a show that has an angel looking at a, a, a person in need, yeah. In your story saying, God loves you and has a plan for you, hmm. for your future. That says something powerful. And I was part of a show that may have saved lives. Hmm. If stories can save lives, yeah, we should be doing more of that. Right? We should be doing more of that. If that is a cure for what ails humanity. Yeah. We need to do more of that kind of storytelling. So I, I, I'm just, I guess I'm just uh, driving an ambulance. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm driving a story ambulance in the world. That's what I'm <laughs> Well, um, you're right. We, all of us have these story, you know, um, what did you say? Like um, these these chords within us and yeah. powerful stories can, can strum those, those chords and inspire us. And so I just uh, thank you for doing that. And, and for, you know, just your friendship over the years. And 
So we want people to check out When Hope Calls, the Christmas special on December you know, 18th. Also to check out um, your other movies and shows, but also When Calls the Heart on the Hallmark Channel. Everybody check those out, especially this is a great season for uplifting and, and powerful stories and storytelling. Um, Brian, is there a place online where people can, um, if they're interested in the Hardys or the shows that you do, where they can connect with a bigger community about all that? Yeah, yes. A couple couple different places. There's there's uh, whencallsaheart.com that they can go and they can find lots of, uh, well, they can get access to all the DVDs and, and the shows and some merch around When Calls the Heart. Uh, but we also have a Hardy's International page mm-hmm. on Facebook that people can, can join uh, and some really v- big footprint on social media, on Instagram, uh, WCTH TV mm-hmm. is the big Instagram page. There's uh, the Hardy's official Hardy's fans of, of When Calls the Heart, official Hardy's fans of When Hope Calls. They're big footprints on social media that people can go. And I'm there. I'm a Hardy myself. <laughs> I, I communicate with everybody through those pages uh, because it's a big uh, it's a big community. It's a, the big Hardy's army. That's what we call it, a heart, Hardy's army. And we're just all about delivering grace and, hap- and, and uplift to people all around the world. So anyway. Well, this is a good time for that in our world. And so uh, we encourage, I encourage our listeners to check that out, to check out your shows and to be a part of that community. I just want to thank you, Brian, for being on here today and for your time once again. Thank you, Steve. And uh, I want all of your listeners to remember that the art of the story is all in the blend. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Brian. And let me just remind people to... um, to check out uh, thestoryblender.com if you're interested, or click to uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts and, and uh, like us. Uh, you can subscribe to receive the weekly podcasts on, on Friday evenings. And uh, I just wish you all the best uh, this holiday season. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you next time.